morning, good people. It's a good show. I'm Sports 959 of the Fan. I'm JD Bunkus. It's NHL Free Agency Day. Used to be a little bit more straightforward when it was just Canada Day. Feels a little strange when it's July 28th. You're like, all right, okay. We don't have the day marker here. I guess it's starting. I guess we're doing this damn thing. And it's not sexy like John Tavares' year. It's not, hey, are the Leafs going to be able to attract the center who's going to come home? Instead, it's 1B goaltenders and depth defensemen and depth forwards. That's the plan today. So if you've got super hard opinions on which defenseman should be sixth, if if the Leafs should pony up and pay Ian Cole, and that's going to be the difference. Hooray. There's some interesting forwards, but here's the truth, is that whoever they sign is the most interesting depth forward because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's the way it goes. Landeskog off the board. No drama. Guess what? Turns out when you push when you push players who really want to be somewhere on a talented and winning team, they might take less money. Eight mil a year. For Gabe Landeskog. Pretty good. I think even the weird cap nerd discourse on social media is probably okay with the Gabe Landeskog one. I've kind of tuned it out. I knew the second we saw the Alex Ovechkin extension that people were going to be furious about it. Nine and a half million dollars for Alex Ovechkin. How could you? For that long? How could you? To me, the Ovi thing is cool, actually, because there are very few times in professional sports where I think you pay somebody an ad term to make sure that you try and accomplish something other than a Stanley Cup or other than a championship. And with Ovi, I actually think that the opportunity you have for him to surpass Gretzky, become the greatest goal scorer of all time and have him do it with your organization, that that's, that's worth the extra term. That's worth rolling the dice, especially someone who brought your organization to Stanley Cup. So back to the Leafs. What are you expecting today? What do you think the need is? How do you think they're going to fulfill this? Because Dubas has said they're going to free agency first. And now there's a little bit of buzz that they're actually in on Grubauer, which would be interesting, but it would require them to move out some salary. For me, the goaltender of interest is Linus Allmark. He's 27, he's six foot four, and he's posted back-to-back seasons, granted short ones, where on a crappy Buffalo team, he was a 9.15 and a 9.17 save. Goals against both under 2.7 each year. You got to figure that a guy like that coming into a better team, a team that was as defensively responsible as the Leafs last year, and like, hey, we can say a lot about Toronto. You can be disappointed in the Maple Leafs, and you probably are. Hard to imagine you're not. But the one thing that I believe is true about last season is that they took a big step forward defensively. The blue line largely is coming back, minus the Morgan Riley conundrum. 
We'll see what ends up playing out there. You lose Zach Bogosian, but again, if you're going to lose anybody from the blue line from last season, Zach Bogosian was the guy to lose. So things could be worse in that regard. I like Linus Allmark. I guess I'm sort of intrigued by the potential of adding Mikhail Granlund, considering that the Leafs have been in on him year after year after year. The other names really don't do much for me. Mike Hoffman's, Thomas Tatar's, Yanmark. I don't know anything about Michael Bunting, but I assume that's going to be one of the guys uh, that the Leafs are going to be in on him because he played for the Greyhounds. So <laughs> you got to imagine that he's going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the more I thought about it last night and this morning, just about kind of what this day means for the Maple Leafs, because, again, you're, they got about $9 million, just a little over, for a few forwards. They need a defenseman, and they need a goaltender. So that money's going to get eaten up real quick, especially during a free agent period that our boy CJ said is going to be a bit of a bounce-back year. So you're in, you're not in the catbird seat. You're not dictating things. You're not setting the market on anybody. You're waiting and seeing, and you're making compromises. I still hope that the path for the goaltender is free agency, and the reason I say that is because the the thing about the Darcy Kemper edition or the potential for that is you've got to give up assets. And as we've gone over the last couple of days, the Leafs in building this core with Kyle Dubas at the helm have given up an entire draft class. Not in one season, but over the course. One through seven. They've they've dealt those picks away. Including, I believe, a couple of second round picks. I, I don't look at the Leafs as a team in a position right now to be sacrificing further draft pick capital to be asking Arizona to eat some money on a goalie. And especially one that only has one year of term and then all of a sudden you're entering an offseason where you've got no goaltenders. I, I would like it if Toronto could find a goalie that... They can get at a reasonable price that they believe can take a step behind a good blue line and that can be here as a piece moving into the 2022 season, the 2023 season, and not have to worry about it and know that you actually might have a bargain and give you another good position where you don't have to over-leverage yourself for guys like Jack Campbell. And I I really do think the goalie thing is important, and we've overlooked it because there's been so much focus on the forwards. There's been so much focus on how are you going to replace Zach Hyman? How are you going to get more depth scoring? How are you going to be grittier? How are you going to build a third line? All of those things matter. But the downfall of the Leafs in a couple of seasons was not finding a backup goaltender in the regular season, how it positioned them, how it eventually, I think, played a factor in wearing down Freddie Anderson. So nailing that to me, is going to be the bigger story. And then if they don't hit on some of these forwards, they don't hit on some of these players, then you start to explore the trade market, and I think that could get pretty interesting too. And and you know what? That's the one bonus of today. Again, that is the one benefit that I sat there and thought about is the expectations now are so low for the Leafs when it comes to this offseason that anything is going to seem fun and there is just a greater possibility of being surprised. So much of this is expectation, right? That's the cap world. Expectation, expectation. What is your expectation and how is it met with reality? And here the expectation is pretty low. Depth pieces, 1B goaltender. 
you exceed that, I feel like fans are having a pretty good day. And that this is kind of going to be the start of a somewhat return to normalcy for a fan base that was absolutely crushed this past season. Where you start to get to dream on a new roster. And those little bit of changes, even if they're not as grandiose as you hope they once would be, will provide some type of feeling of being refreshed and rejuvenated and focusing on the new season. And yeah, just getting back to being a hockey fan instead of a martyr. Which... I think a lot of us have been over the last month or so. It's a good show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan. I'm J.D. Bunkus. Set off the top of the show today that the one good thing about Free agency day, if you're a Leafs fan, is that expectations are pretty low. You know, there was a report that they could be in on Grubauer. That'd be pretty splashy. I still have a hard time seeing it because it requires trades and some other salary dumps and how much are you going to commit to there? Maybe, maybe. But other than that, it, it feels like Michael Bunting is about as sexy as it's going to get for you today. The goalie from Buffalo is about as sexy as it could possibly get today. Depth defenseman. And then, you know, there's the possibility of anything above that being kind of exciting and being exhilarating. And, like, also, who are we kidding? Because whenever the Leafs sign anybody, Leafs fans go nuts, and the new thing becomes immediately the most important thing, the most interesting thing. And so it'll be just fine today. But I got some thoughts about the things that have already developed, and I, and I wanted to check in kind of with my buddy, who I haven't spoken with in a while. It's been a little too long. He's he's pretty big time. It's like a best-selling author, and like most po- he's basically YouTube. It's like it's like the Paul brothers and this guy in terms of who dictates Whoa. the YouTube culture. It's Steve Dangle. Um, who are you going to fight in your celebrity boxing debut? Ben Ennis. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, like, if you're going to get a win, you want to get an automatic W, like, that's the direction I would go in, too. Like, that's a that's about as easy a bag of milk as you can dull over with very, very little resistance. Um, I worry, yeah, though, whether he's a big enough celebrity to fight you. Like, are you going to get as much of a draw with that win? Well, yeah, it's and you can drum up hype for any fight with trash talk. So, like, I'm yeah. going to walk down to like our first presser with uh like a, a big necklace with like a frisbee on it yeah because <laughs> isn't that how he broke his ankle yeah oh, it sure like, is i, I just, you know I'm what though grind his gears I, I, need you to, in my corner. I think that the true story of ben breaking his ankle is actually more embarrassing is that he wasn't playing frisbee golf like he wasn't playing disc golf because like the idea of someone like ripping a disc and jumping off of a tee pad and rolling their ankle is like oh i could actually see how that happened ben hurt his ankle, broke his ankle walking while playing disc golf. Like, he wasn't doing anything athletic. He was walking, and he shattered his ankle. It's much worse. It's much, 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 much worse. That's why I picked him. Yeah. You got to get the easy target. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. You're not at all concerned that if you hit a guy with bones, like, like, has Ben ever drank milk is the real question. It's like, has that guy (laughs) – 
ever had a glass of milk in his life where he shatters his bones walking. I would just feel a little bit awful if you hit him and he just, you know, evaporated. You know, he just shattered yeah, into you would. a pile of glass. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah not you. <laughs> not me. Yeah. Easy win, kids. <laughs> yeah. Always. Well, I feel like some of your pent-up anger, some of what I'm picking up on is just, you know, uh, your producer, Drew, sending you messages about guys like Gabe Landeskog taking less money. And I said it to Steve – or I had a CJ on yesterday, right? And we're talking about it. And I asked him what he thought was going to happen with the Landeskog situation. And he's like, they're grinding him. He's their captain, but they're grinding him. And they're really forcing him to make a decision about whether he's really going to leave a, 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 a place that he likes to be with the teammates that he likes in a competitive environment. And guess what? He ended up taking less. And then seeing that today and you sharing Drew's tweet – about Landis Cog taking less money and seeing it next to Ranton. And I would say that that, that did not do me very well in terms of um, my mental state heading into this segment today. Here's, here's where I'm at, J.D. Like, this is sports, right? We talk about sports on a daily basis. At some point, we need to get mad about new things. And I'm having difficulty with that because – old things I was mad at factor into each and every conversation with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You cannot, especially on a day like today, where cap space literally dictates what you can do. You cannot divorce one from the other. You cannot divorce the fact that the Leafs have three guys making double digits in terms of millions with, with, with today. You can't. The only, the only thing that my dumb, deeply dumb little leaf brain, and by dumb I mean hopeful. That's they're the same. My dumb little leaf brain is like, what if next year's team is basically the same team without any of the expectation? <laughs> what do they do with that? What do they do with that? Maybe maybe it works. I don't I don't think it does, man. I'm no, really, glad you started here I, though. I'm glad you started here because yeah. one of the things I wanted to discuss with you today was, you know, what are you feeling good about? What are you feeling um, somewhat optimistic about? Because that is sports, right? And, and I do think that this fan base right now is in such a tough spot. And, like, I, and that thing gets brought up about the salary cap. It's going to happen over and over and over again because right now people care more about the salary cap than just about anything else. It's more in focus than it ever has been after what we saw with Tampa's circumvention to win, the expansion draft the flurry trade, free agency, and then the most visible team in the NHL being the, I would say, I don't know, they're in the worst salary cap position of any team in the NHL. Like, I think that's, like, they have good players doing it, but they also have the most top-heavy team in hockey. And so all of these things have coalesced to any time a free agent signs a deal that's somewhat friendly, the automatic move is to dunk on the Leafs and go, hey, the Colorado Avalanche have these three guys on this money, and the Leafs have those three guys on that money. Or the Boston Bruins one, which is just going to live on forever and ever and ever, which is they signed Taylor Hall with $6 million, and people put their four guys up against the Leafs' three guys. and Or, sorry, two guys. Two guys. And oh, yeah. it's, um, it's, wow, look at this. Look at the discrepancy. They've got two extra players of uh, similar ilk making uh, the same amount of money. So... I get that it's like we're all living in this vacuum of constant and repeated and over and over and over and over again the same thing. But I will say there is a part of me over the last couple of days that has looked at this and said, all right, 
like for me, this is my reason for optimism. I think the Leafs are really good defensively. I think that that is a very yeah. real thing. And there's actual potential here based on the way Freddie Anderson has been up and down the last two seasons where they go out and get a goaltender who's better than Freddie Anderson. And you have the Leafs' best goaltending tandem maybe since when? Right? Like that you have an unbelievable tandem with a really, really good defensive team, and you still have top end talent that now has a chip on their shoulder and for the first time ever actually might have some urgency and feel like they have to prove something beyond individual statistics. They're going to have a hard time being bad. You know, like, and, and I, think, I think that's important, right? Because we got to start with the bare minimum. Are they going to be worth watching? Mm-hmm. You know, I've said. Okay, well, they finished first in the division and then blew it in the first round anyway. How am I supposed to get amped to watch an 82-game season? Well, we'll start with at least they won't be bad. So will they be better than last year? Well, it depends on what your de- definition of better is. The, all they got to do is get in. The 18th-place team made it to the Stanley Cup final, remember. I'm, I, have we mentioned that on this station? I think, I think we have, once or twice, once or twice. What I want to see... I mean, goaltending, obviously, is number one priority today. But I want them to look like a more playoff-ready team by the time this is all said and done. I want them to look like a team that can bulldoze you, that can handle the bulldozing. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if Tampa was tougher than Montreal, but they at least handled it. Uh, you know what I mean? And the other optimistic thing with today, you know, Landeskog, that, that was yesterday's news. Taylor Hall, that was last week's news. Today is stupid season. Today is when everyone makes dumb mistakes. Today, uh, go on Twitter. They, uh, every rumored deal that a free agent is getting, all of them suck. <laughs> all, those, all those contracts stink. You, you, unrestricted free agency, you're going to overpay almost every guy. And the good news is the least literally can't do that. <laughs> So whether they're having to plug holes internally or with trade or from the bargain bin, those are typically the best options anyway. So we know one of the options now. This is now breaking news. This just came through. Kevin Weeks has now reported. From what I'm told, it appears Peter Mrazek, coming off an impressive three-year run with the Canes, will be signing a three-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow, really? 29 years old. Yep. 29-year-old goaltender. He's... I think a little small for a goalie um, today. Uh, not the best finish to his Carolina tenure because he was, um, yeah, he he didn't have a good playoffs this year. He only started in two games. Um, 12 starts last season with the Hurricanes with a 9.23 save. Uh, like, pretty good. But... Um, yeah, how are we feeling about this just overall in general right now? Like uh, Peter Mrazek, just, you know, gut reaction. I, I will say that my hope was that they went with Allmark. Um, Mrazek was not high on my hopeful list. But, it, it, like, the initial read for me is that the Leafs really, really did go with 1B. Um, a guy who is a proven backup, a guy who I think is a high-end backup. Um, but someone where I think you're still hopeful that Jack Campbell is the answer in that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Mrazek a mulligan on the playoffs just because he was so so good in the regular season and then he got injured. 
But now I'm like, for crying out loud, like the whole reason I was comfortable letting go of Freddie was the injury issue. Like, is this guy okay? Is everything okay? Can everybody play hockey? Yeah. Um, but uh, Dubas did sort of show his hand uh, last week because, you know, we had heard all sorts of rumors and, you know, are they going to go out and get a big starter? And then there were Grubauer rumors. I didn't really believe any of that because Dubas said he wanted to find a compliment to Jack Campbell. Well, that's what Peter Mrazek can be. Um, they're not the same guy. I'll definitely say that. Mrazek is uh, he's much more flamboyant on the ice. Um, haven't really heard anything bad personality-wise. He's just This is sort of always the, the role he's stepping into is basically the role that he's always had. So I think he'll be right at home. Uh, the Leafs will have two goalies playing basically 50-50. Uh, they can push each other. And I don't know. That should be okay. But once the playoffs show up, you got to make a choice. Yeah. And I would um, think it's Jack, but who knows? Well, based on their play last year and based on his play in the postseason compared to Morazic's, yeah, it's, it's, I would say that Jack Campbell enters this season as the 1A. Um, I do think that the injury thing is interesting, though. That it's like, um, the Leafs, Dubas came out publicly and said that goaltending was going to be a priority. And in a way, this is very real because they signed the goalie first, right? They put that domino first. They went out, they jumped the market, they went out and got their guy. And who knows exactly what research they did on everybody else or how they felt about them or what the other contracts are going to look like. I'm guessing, all we know right now is the term, but just since we're shooting it and this is evolving as it's happening, I'm guessing that the, the dollars are not going to be that insane. Because to me, Morazic was more a little bit closer to the, the bargain bin shopping when it came to goaltenders in the market. Like, I, I thought that Allmark, there was a case a little bit more that you're going to pay him, being that he's 27, being the statistics that he posted with a pretty crappy team, um, being the size, the pet, everything. All those things to do with it, I would have thought that was the thing. Morazic, I wonder what the actual dollar amount is going to be here because, okay, three years and a three-point... 8 million AAV neighborhood, which is pretty high, I got to say. That's higher than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I would have thought that, that. That's coming from Frank Cervelli. Oh, so, buddy. I was about to say two and a half. Three? No. Yeah, 3.8. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you got to be good. You got to, you got you better be really good. But mm-hmm. the, the other thing here, so Campbell's making, what is it, 1.6? Yeah. I think, I think, I think Campbell makes. I think he makes the same as like Ilya Mikheyev. Like it's it's not much. So Mrazek and Campbell combined are going to cost like roughly what Frederick Anderson cost, maybe a hair more, something like that. So that at very least is good. At three point eight, I must say I'm surprised. I man, Allmark and Grubauer are going to get paid through the nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this is yeah. now going to be very contingent on what those guys get paid. Also, but, isn't Mer- isn't like a right catching goalie, or am uh, I thinking of someone else? No, I think he is a right catching goalie. Uh, I, I think he is. But I, I would say about this is like okay, so now you have no, the left. one thing you have the one thing one piece of business done. That's your goalies for next year. Um. Do you feel better? All I all I want to know from Leafs fans right now and people who follow this team and care about this team, 
And I know that not everybody's watching the Carolina Hurricanes play, but again, this is a team that is damn good defensively, like puts a good team, puts a good product in front of the goaltender. So you can imagine that Morazic's numbers are not going to change drastically. Like this isn't a scenario where a goaltender is coming from a bad situation and going to a good one where you say, well, maybe we're going to extrapolate these numbers like was the case with Allmark. That's why I think you could dream a little bit higher. I think with Morazic, you kind of know it is what it is with this player. Do we feel like we know it is what it is that this is better than Freddie Anderson? Like have the Leafs upgraded in net in your opinion? Um, they have at very least held. Yeah. I think they have at very least held, which is fine because their goaltending was fine uh, last year. Um, Mrazek is stepping into a role that he's always had. And I will say this about Carolina. I'm starting to shy away from the save percentage stat mm-hmm. because not all shots are created equal. Mm-hmm. And I know Carolina plays really good defense, but kind of over the years, they haven't always gotten the greatest goaltending, at least in terms of numbers. And they've had some pretty good goalies um, go go through the system. Um, man, losing the Delkovich for nothing. I, I don't understand what the plan is in Carolina. Like, I, I know we're talking the leaf bubble here. Um, but to use a quote from Kevin Weeks that I heard him, I don't remember the context, but he was talking about another team. Um, the, Carolina really appears to be trying to get champagne with beer money. And I just don't know if it's going to work. Like they're almost, they're almost the opposite of the Leafs. It's, uh, you, you know, you, you, you take a random minivan and you ask, you know, you ask the Leafs, you go, how much does this minivan cost? And the Leafs goes, a million dollars. And then, okay, okay, that's your guess. We now go to the Carolina Hurricanes. How much does this minivan cost? Uh, five bucks. <laughs> they're, they're both wrong. The, the Leafs are overpaying everybody, and the Hurricanes are, are absolutely nickel and diming everyone to the point where they're losing Dougie Hamilton and replacing him with Tony D'Angelo. I don't know what the plan is there. What I'm going to be curious to see is what Freddie Anderson gets from Carolina. Because you're right. To me, this feels like a bit of a lateral move. I think that the floor is higher for Morazic. Um, he's a little bit younger than Freddie Anderson. Maybe they didn't feel like Freddie, the medicals were going to be all that good and that the three-year commitment was tougher. And again, there, you're right. There's something to be said for acquiring a goaltender who knows like what he's in for, which is the you're sharing a tandem. You're going to have the net some nights. There's going to be a leash if you're not performing well. You might get some more rope if you're performing great. Um, but to me, this is a pretty big indication of like when I first read this, I'm just saying like what it, the way I felt about it was this is not exactly the guy that I wanted. I'm fine with it, but I would have thought it would be cheaper, and I, I kind of would have believed that the idea was you're signing someone a little bit cheaper so that you have a little bit mon- more money to splash around the forwards of the D. Because this team still needs three forwards. Like, they still absolutely need three forwards. And they need a sixth defenseman who plays with a little bit more bite than what they have currently in the organization. So, you know, th- this really doesn't... They were always going to be in pretty tight. But this is... um. This is not a lot of cash to sprinkle around. <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't go bargain shopping. So Peter Morazic is the guy. 
Uh, I'm going to be curious to see how the other guys go. I, I will say this, though. This is what makes it hard having the like, hard-line opinion about Morazic versus the other guys is, is just simply this. I don't look at the goaltending market and say there was someone that I desperately wanted. I would have gone and said, oh, sure, Grubauer is the best, but there was no way that Toronto was really going to be able to have the cap space to go get him. And Kemper would have been a great option or a better option than Morazic. But also, Kemper would have required a trade, and, and Toronto's not really in a position where yep. they can give up long-term assets, which is what Arizona is looking for. So, like, while I might be a little disappointed by a bit over a bit over payments or maybe an extra year of term, or whatever. To me, Morazic is good in that like, this was pretty much like the always the likely outcome that whatever the Leafs were going to do in net was going to make you feel a little bit underwhelmed, if that makes sense, which is fine. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do anything that's going to jack people up here. The, the only thing that I think might get fans excited by the end of the day is a trade, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think the Leafs need to be busy uh, on the phones and it's none of the names are sexy like uh, Kerfoot his name is continually out there if they keep him I think they might actually best uh, they might be better off signing a third line center and moving Kerfoot to the left wing where they have an enormous hole and we know they can play him on either of the top two lines and get decent results um, McKayev is a name that's been out there 1.65 million it's really not much but can the Leafs even afford that on their third or fourth line and the same goes with Pierre Engvall who signed a contract 1.25 that would have been perfectly fine for uh, a guy who brings what he brings and then the world stopped and the cap stayed flat and all of a sudden you know that's that's a player who's signing league men anywhere else so it, free agency You'd love for the big names, the sexy names. It's just not happening. Get get ready for a bunch of bottom six guys uh, to be signed and or traded. Yeah. I also wonder if the uh, the resonance here is because, like, the Leafs don't have a prospect that's going to be pushing for a spot anytime soon, right? It's like this um... also feels like a, a bit of a gamble on Jack Campbell actually being a guy from the standpoint of, like, all right, Morazic got 3.8. Um, maybe you enter free agency next year and try to sign somebody else for kind of similar money. But like, yeah, li- like you said, you don't, you don't really, you're not in a position to be spending big money on a goaltender with this roster. So, going into the following season, the, I think the hope still is to have Jack Campbell perform and then get him on basically like on, on almost exact, like a, a similar kind of deal as this. Oh God. I mean, and even that still, like, let's say they signed for the exact same amount of money. They got two goalies making 3.8. That's still, like, probably bottom half of the league in terms of cap hits for goalies. Um, it's at very least in the middle. And they're good. Like, we know we know Mrazek is at very least okay. And Campbell is, I would say, above average with capabilities of being far above average, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like I'm looking, I I know this is radio, baby, show business, yeah. But I, I'm really, I'm really trying to to jazz up. No, listen, we're dealing with this live, and I can't do it. I can't yeah, do no. it, man. Listen, we're dealing with this live. All I'm saying is, like, I'm coming around on it a little bit more. Like, he's a little smaller than goalies that I love, um, but 
had a good season last year, minus you know very very small opportunities in playoffs that I'm not going to judge like too critically, and the injuries that he's had like have not. There there was one concussion and a neck injury that was bad, but ultimately, you know, it's a thumb and it's a lower body thing. I I, I think that this is like overall it, pretty much what everybody expected. This is pretty status quo in an off season that always felt like it was going to be status quo. So there we go. <laughs> That's what this yeah. is. It's as non-sexy as it gets, but it's like overall this is a good goaltender who is great for this role, which is a 1B. That the, you have to basically accept the reality that the Maple Leafs are going into the season saying we have two goaltenders. This was always the future. Dude, I remember I was at a, uh, a speaking engagement actually with Wild. Uh, like a, a little bit before the pandemic. And we talked a little bit about this, about how this is the future of the position, is that eventually everybody is going to have tandems and there will only be a very, very small select few groups of teams that have the true number one. And the Leafs are just transitioning into a period where, you know, it might be a little foreign to everyone, but like this is going to be kind of the new normal moving forward, that this is going to be mostly your life now as a Leafs fan is tandems over the one guy who plays 60 games. So welcome. Yeah, it, like Andre Vasilevsky is the outlier. He's the mutant. Like that dude is, if he retired today, there'd be a strong case for putting him in the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Tampa Bay Lightning, at any point during their past two cup runs, were an injury away from Curtis McElhaney being their starter. Mm-hmm. You know, and God, God love McElhaney. He's a pretty good backup, ain't he? I always mm-hmm. say, but uh, he's not Vasilevsky. Well, thanks for uh, doing this with me live. wasn't a conversation I expected to have, but I think it went all right. And, yeah, Mrazek, all right? Everybody get the jerseys. Almost as good as when we covered the Kawhi helicopter chase. Almost. I will always hold a special <laughs> place in my heart, that day where we really thought we were getting Kawhi together. Uh, Steve Daniel. <sighs> Let's just start with this. Like, what was your, what's your reaction here? Like, gut reaction, Leafs sign Mrazek, like term and money excluded. Uh, good goalie coming off a really good season. Um, has at times early in his career lacked structure in his game, but as we've seen it uh, in two of the past three years, sort of be added in by voices, goaltending coach voices in Carolina, um, the numbers improved. Like his numbers were off the charts last season. It was just such a small sample size. He had the best, and 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 I'm you know, hey, one of the things about analyzing goaltenders is being able to. Have, access for me to numbers that um, really paint a better picture of the environment for the goaltender and the shot quality. And, you know, so I've, I'm, I'm blessed to have sort of a look under the hood at ClearSight Analytics, Stephen Valaket's company, which in my mind does the best job of measuring shot quality for goaltenders, like everything, uh, 34 different factors on every shot. And when you weigh Mrazic's environment, again, tiny sample size last year, uh, but he had the best adjusted save percentage in the National Hockey League. Uh, that's how good he was in that small sample. And frankly, I was a little surprised um, that he didn't get a shot earlier or, or a chance to be the first guy out of the gate, even though Nadelkovic was on a roll. And I sort of understood it, but part of me was like, just given the level of performance when he was in the net last season, I was surprised Peter didn't get a shot to, to sort of be the playoff guy there. Um, when I say two of the last three years, uh, the one year last season was not great. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that was the one season that the Carolina Hurricanes just basically gave the goalie coach job to Rod Brendamore's buddy who was coaching in the NCAA. Um, 
not discounting his ability to coach. I heard a lot of good things about the way he sort of managed their practices and a lot of positives there. But coming in for one year, coming in like, like not an authoritative voice who was going to tell them how to play. And I think Peter, throughout his career, has been an aggressive goalie. And it's only in, like I said, those other two years of the past three where he's had a goalie coach that kind of is a little more active and a little more insistent on reining him in. Uh, built some rotation into his game. So his recoveries are to the post. So it's not one save and then just push desperately straight across rather than gaining angle on the next one. Um, with that added structure, I think he can be very good. And I think you've got a goaltending coach in, in Toronto who you know, probably doesn't get enough credit for the work he's done there in Steve Briere. And, and, and I think you know, even I'm guilty of this looking at, at the season Jack Campbell had. It was you know, Jack Campbell's a great story because of what he overcame you know, between the ears and off the ice and, and his old goalie coach in L.A., Dusty Emus, was and remains a massive part of that. But when you look at how Jack plays structurally, it's night and day from when he arrived in Toronto. There are a lot of elements of his game that have tightened up. And so if you were to see a similar thing from Peter, I think that's a positive. Um, the other positive with Peter is, and this is a question I had about Frederick Anderson in Toronto. I don't know if it's fair. Maybe it was all injury. But as they became a better defensive team, his numbers started to crater. And again, some of that may be injury and circumstance. Not every goalie can play behind a good defensive team. It's really easy to say, oh, easier shots, less shots. That's a goalie's dream. But some goalies need more shots to sort of find their rhythm and timing. Um, everybody's different that way. And the fact that Peter had success behind a similarly stingy Carolina Hurricanes team defensively last season bodes well for that transition. It's often an unanswered question. It's a question the Hurricanes are trying to figure out right now. Like No matter who they get, that's going to be a question mark. Can he play when he's not busy? Not every goalie can. Peter can, and that's a good fit for the Maple Leafs. Now, there are some things in his numbers up and down, different types of plays that he has good success and others that he doesn't. Um, so far, I see, for the most part, a fit between the types of chances the Leafs give up and the type he does the best at. Hmm. That's actually really interesting, especially considering like it, it feels like that was the opposite case with Freddie Anderson last year, as you kind of alluded to. And it's it's weird to see these two teams basically just, you know, swap goaltenders and make this almost a trade just without any assets parting either way. It's like they have traded goaltenders in that. Do you think that – well, two things. One is how did you kind of stack Mrazek in this year's free agency class or amongst the goaltenders that appeared to be available to the Leafs? So we're talking like the Allmarks. Um, I'm not going to include Kemper because that was a trade, and I don't know if Toronto could have done that. And I'm also not going to include Grubauer because I, I do think he was a tier above. He was a clear 1A starter, and um, Toronto just didn't really appear to have the salary cap space for him. But amongst the goaltenders that were available free agents, like just sounding from the review, it feels like you have Mrazek amongst not only the best option, maybe the best option, and that it feels like maybe even the Leafs have upgraded in goal. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough one, right? Because fit matters, and I do see some fit there. There's still some other chances. Like, for example, the Leafs, like I said, they've become a really good defensive team, the type of team that goalies should want to play behind. Um, the types of chances they, they too do tend to give up more of, like broken plays is one of them. 
Um, Jack Campbell was excellent on broken plays. And I look at Peter Mrazek's number over the past three years, and that's a really big positive for him. That's an area he's excelled. Now, slot line plays, lateral plays across the slot line, which I think the Leafs have become a lot better at defending. Um, that's, that's an area where he struggled. And that's where I talk about that rotation and movement. Um, the ability to get across and gain angle rather than just chasing in straight lines is where he can get uh, caught a little bit. So um, as long as you can sort of continue to play a defensive system um, that sort of is good on one uh, and, and, hey, if you're going to give up broken plays, great, because you've got two goalies now who excel at, at sort of managing those types of, of plays. Um, that's a good fit. You know what? Let's put it this way. If I were tearing them on upside – I would have Morazic very high on that list. The history, though, and again, part of it is tied to the aggression. Goalies that play more aggressively, that play with more rhythm and timing and feel, um, what we would call outside-in goaltenders, so goalies that tend to come out and then drift back with plays on the rush, uh, a little more movement in their game, a little more, like I said, reliant on rhythm and timing. They tend to ride more highs and lows, more ups and downs, more streaks in both directions. And Peter's MO throughout his career has been exactly that. And because of some of the aggression in his game before, those highs and lows were bigger than other goaltenders. So there, you know, you, you kind of prepare as a Leafs fan, there are going to be some incredible hot streaks. And there could be some down runs. The thing to me is, like I said, for a lot of his career, I'm not sure the direction reined it in from a goalie coaching standpoint. And I've seen enough signs as it was there that you could see more often the upside Peter Mrazek. Cause the upside is massive. Like he's, he's athletic. It was just, um, and he's capable of making game changing saves. It's just that for a large part of his career, he put himself in situations where he had to all the time. And that usually doesn't work. So um, like I said, I'm a big fan of Steve Breer. I talk to the goalies he works with all the time, as much as he's not supposed to talk to us, the goalies do. And I think this is going to be a really, uh, it'll give you an opportunity with a, a little more structure to see the upside Peter Murazik more often. And the upside is among that top tier on this free agent class. Well, if what we saw last year was real from Campbell, or even close to reality, I, I think that a lot of your analysis would lead me to believe that, you know, fit is more important with goaltenders than maybe we give it credit for or that we give it attention to and that seemingly this, this sounds like a pretty good fit when we're talking about highs and lows and being competitive and being in a similar spot and just like goaltender profile that this is a good one. Um, well, the, the other part is in the, the other part though is like there's so many, like I can look at the stats, right, and, and really like the fit. I can know the player and, and know the goalie coach and like the fit there. Um, yep. never seen him in an environment media wise like Toronto, right? There's always so many factors. So I don't want to get people going crazy with how great this is. There's a lot of upside there. And I, and I think this bodes well, but like I said, there's been lows too, right? He is a goalie that will run hot and cold. Um, and now it's on the Leafs to put him, put the structure around him and, and, and have the goalie coach figure out how best to get more of those highs and less of the lows. Uh, Kevin, again, I love your work. I'm super appreciative that you could jump on today again, especially on short notice as uh, these things are happening on the fly. Thanks so much for doing it, pal. Hey, my pleasure. Today is the greatest game of goaltending musical chairs we've ever seen, so uh, I appreciate you having me on to talk about one piece of it. Yeah, here's what I'll tell you. I think that you'll be on a lot more uh, shows and a lot more stations talking about the rest of them. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, pal. Take care. See you, man. Uh, when we come back, Biz Nasty, Paul Bizonette. Good show. Sports at 590 The Fan. 
good show on Sports 9 of the Fan. I'm J.D. Bunkus. Or to our next guest, J.D. Burkus. Uh, it's Paul Bizonette. What's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I, I was figuring you were going to start out with something like that. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yeah. Uh, so every, every time I'm on the show, let's let's kick it off with that. Probably. Um, it's okay. Uh, I can go by Burkus for been a while. Segment of the show. Yeah, it has been a while, man. I mean, you're the maybe the busiest dude in hockey. Like, you got a lot on the go, man. It's been busy yeah, seasons. Maybe too the much. live streams were awesome. Like, I, I really enjoyed those. Like, that was great during the Stanley Cup run. Yeah, it's just been a lot of great content from you guys lately. Just crushing drinks and having a good time partying, watching hockey. I'm sure everybody was. And uh, it was good to see some fans back in the building. And I don't know, man. I, I'm having a hard time keeping up with everything that's going on right now. It has just yeah. been a chaotic month. Yeah, uh, guess who else is? Me. Uh, everybody is. <laughs> it's like, first of all, there's just a ton of stuff happening still with sports. Like baseball is happening. It's July 28th and it's free agency day, which is just weird in itself because at least here, you know, it feels like, oh, it really is Canada Day. We coincide it with free agency. You know, you end up having the the best part, actually, one of the best things about like Canada Day in this country, if you're a hockey fan, is like how many times have you been at a party and somebody comes out and yells, this team did this, and then everybody reacts to it at the party, right? That's not really happening this year. It's more quiet. It's all internet. It's a million different things. There was an expansion draft, and it's a weird year. So I, I don't think that uh, a whole ton of people are on top of it. All I can tell you right now is that everybody cares about salary caps. That salary cap is the new, like, king of the NHL. Everybody yeah. wants to know who got what contract, who got what term, and then the rest of the internet absolutely tears good players to shreds if they got what they yeah. feel like is $1 million too much or one year too much. And so Twitter jams, Leafs, I love it. Dude, yeah. Leafs got about $6 million left now because they just signed Mrazic this morning. So they grabbed Mrazic. And now they've got their goaltending tandem set. They're going to try to fill out the fringes of this roster. But Kyle Dubas has gone with this approach of, hey, we're not changing things up. They're going to lose Zach Hyman, which I think is massive. Looks like they're going to lose Bogosian. They're going to have the flipping net, but they're running it back. I know that you know you are you know some guys on this team. Um, you follow this team, man. You back this team with. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't need to go into the details of so, what I put on the line in order to. Right. Uh, to secure yeah. that first round victory, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually don't. I actually, you know, Dubas is obviously sticking with his guns here, and you got to look back to the last playoff series against Montreal, where it's like, I I agree with probably not spending too much in net because you know you you paid these the, the, the core group there quite a bit of money, and if anything, the only thing to blame in that playoff series is the fact that the offense dried up. I mean, you look at Campbell's numbers. I I think there was maybe one soft goal there in the last three games from Jack Campbell. But for the most part, you, I mean, I, I'm sure that the core group is going to take the blame for that. But you've got to think in the next two or three years as these guys gain more experience. And at one point, it's going to hit. The offense is going to start clicking in playoffs, and they're going to be able to go on, on a run. And the only thing you need is competent goaltending. And in today's market, you can get competent goaltending for a decent price because of the amount of guys that are available, you know, and, and Mrazek, I mean, you know, he, he doesn't exactly, uh, you know, he hasn't had the biggest sample size over the last uh, season, dealt with some injuries. But between him and Campbell, I think that, uh, you know, you can get some solid goaltending there, and you just got to rely on that offense. Yeah, and I like the goalies. 
Um, like I, again, I don't think Morazic is the sexiest name by any stretch of the imagination, and no. it's a tandem, and it's kind of like whatever. But the Leafs, the one, there's a couple things I believe in with the team from last year. One, they took a massive step forward defensively, and I think that that's still going to be there next year. Like the Brody addition worked, the Muzzin Hall pairing is solid. The team defense was completely different. They obviously bought into it, weaker division or not. That what we saw there was real. Two was that okay, yes, the no shut down Matthews and Marner and everybody here has been jumping down their throats. And I think rightfully so and fairly so because that's what hockey fans do. That just shows that people are passionate. There's obviously a line, but for the most part, people being pissed is fine. That means you play somewhere where people care. But I also think that those guys are studs who eventually will break through if given moment after moment after moment. The big question, dude, is the depth. Like, you see all the – like, Tampa is a different story because of the way that they did it. But – Time and time and time again, you see in the Stanley Cup playoffs where it's like other guys step up and fill the voids. And other guys on a third line become a story. You look at the Islanders and their third line just the way, like, the depth lines have identities. And Toronto's depth just had no identity other than Jason Spezza continues to just be awesome and a, you know, really, really solid guy who takes seven hundred grand and can score you big goals and just is a leader, all these different things. The Thornton thing didn't work out so much, but whatever. Do you believe that well, you the, even see you see even see the the, the depth and and the and the, and the price it costs in order right. to get it? I mean, you saw Coleman move over uh, for a first rounder. You saw Barkley mm-hmm. Goudreau when 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 they paid a first rounder for him, uh, Tampa Bay people were like, "This is crazy." But you saw the impact that he had as far as mm-hmm. depth. And you talk about that identity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to get. And right now, you know, if the Leafs aren't going to get any type of contributions from guys on entry level con- uh, contracts in those depth situations, yeah, you're going to have to rely heavily on those guys making $11 million. But at the end of the day, if Dubas believes in those guys and, and the fact that he paid them in order to step up in those big moments, you know, you got a, you, you got another three, four-year window here to, to let it ride. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, of course, the storyline going into the offseason was the fact that those guys in crunch time weren't able to produce and the offense dried up. And when you're making that type of money, I mean, you're going to have to fall on the sword and, and eat it for another summer. But you got to, you know, look around. I mean, you, you see like a, a team like Washington that dealt with it for years. They were winning President's trophies and, and they couldn't get past the Penguins in the second round. So, mind you, you know, at least they were getting to the second round and and, and they were falling to the Stanley Cup champions and juggernauts. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a learning lesson, and, and hopefully those guys are able to go back to the to the drawing board and. And, and, and work harder in the off season and, and find their game come crunch, crunch time. Do you have you noticed anything different? Like I don't know how much time you've been able to you know talk to Matthews. I know you know him, but uh, have you seen a little bit of a shift in him? Like, do you feel as though he's going to come back with a little bit of a different approach next season, just from like an attitude and and chip on his oh. shoulder standpoint after the way things went and after their line ate all of that criticism. Well, I mean, like it's it's hard because he, all of a sudden you're 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 basing his season on on the last you know three four games, whereas you look at his even defensive numbers last year and he he was a beast, you know he's it, it, probably the, one of the best uh, in the last couple of years probably the one of the best runs that a, a Maple Leaf has ever been on as far as like what he's putting the puck in the back of the net. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure he takes a lot of pride in it, and you know, he's he's working his uh, his bag off, so to speak, in the off season here, so he can deliver come playoff time. So it's so hard because you're looking at such a small sample size as how much you're going to criticize like the the, the big guns, and, and and realistically, if you look at the whole product of the season, it's like it, it looked pretty good, 
and, and you know, and, and, and based on what they were expected to deliver, to deliver, they did. My people would also argue it's like the North Division was kind of a joke compared to the other divisions, and 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 and, and maybe a reason that they ran away with it. So let's let's see what happens going on this year when when the when, when they restack the deck and then they're they're back to their normal situation. Yeah, and that normal situation is getting harder because Florida continues to add. They're looking really good. They looked good last year in a harder division. Tampa's taking a step back, maybe. They're losing some important pieces, but they're not going to be bad. And, yeah, no. the Bruins are always there, and they kept Taylor Hall at a team-friendly deal because that's what Boston does. It's a big part of their culture is, like, maintain guys on team-friendly deals. And then, yeah, like, Montreal's still going to be there, and that's the team that knocked you out, so they deserve some credit. Um, they should still be a part of the conversation. Um, I guess, how big a loss do you think Hyman is for them, though? Because, like, when I looked at the core, and I, I looked at this Leafs team as who are their most important guys, he was one of them, and... He's going to Edmonton now, and people are kind of like, the Leafs are running it back, the Leafs are running it back. And, and the thing I keep saying is, yeah, they're running it back, but they're missing maybe one of their most important six guys. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a honey badger. I, I describe those guys. He's like a Chris Kuditz type. Just you know, he'll, he'll go to the dirty areas. He's hard on the forecheck. He's able to retrieve and, and get it for those high-end guys where you know they can regain possession and, and go to work offensively. Mind you, they just didn't have the money in order to pay those guys, and specifically him and you know i another thing too is i'm I'm also looking at it well he he's had one goal in seven playoff games last year right he is a hard worker he you know he's probably got good analytic analytic numbers but i mean you know looking back to 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 who's got to fall on the sword i mean if you're if you're looking at as as some of your big pieces and not bring him back you got to look at his playoff production as well right it's just the other guys garner more focus because of the amount of money they're making so do I think that that Zach Hyman contract is going to look great in, in the final two, three years? Not really. But, yeah, it's a, it's a big, important loss for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and hopefully they can get that contribution from somebody else. I, I, just, I don't know enough about the Leafs to, to know who they have coming up through the system. Do no. they have a Zach Hyman type coming out? Yeah, and, and, no. <laughs> and, and, and that becomes an issue too. So we'll see, we'll see where they end up. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would say overall – I would say that they've they, they probably regressed this off season, but they, but there's still there's still time here. I don't know what they're going to be able to do in free agency. I don't know if they're going to be able to fill some holes with, uh, with in, in a cheap way. But uh, going into the season, I would say that they've probably taken a step back at this point, based yeah. on their overall roster. No, they are, man. And especially when you factor in what we mentioned, which is even if you don't think the North was a joke, it's pretty obvious that the chance to play the teams they had a chance to play in order to get to a conference final, like that's not happening the same way. Like they're going from the easiest path to the most difficult path, and they're losing Zach Hyman. And yeah, they're going to have, they don't, they don't have a lot coming up. Like we saw how important that is year over year with these teams, like even with like Caulfield and Suzuki and those guys stepping up from Montreal and going, oh, well, the Shea Weber contract isn't so bad, or you can win with Carey Price making that much money because you have young guys that are stepping up and providing offense. And for Toronto, like, they got one year of Rasmus Sandin, who played a bit last year, but, like, he's going to be probably bottom pairing. And then a guy named Nick Robertson, who has been good and has some pedigree and has shown some flashes, but nothing really established. Uh, I, also, uh, I also think that uh, Toronto media does a good job of hyping up the guys coming up oftentimes. Uh, yeah. And I will say that that a lot of the times you're just like you're you're left maybe a little bit unfulfilled, yeah. it, and that's I mean I don't know if that's their own fault. I, I think it was it an issue when when Dubis 
didn't do a good job of locking in that core group for a cheaper number. The, the, the craziest thing to me, and, and credit, you know, Austin Matthews' agent, credit Marner's agent. I don't know how, you know, obviously Paul Paul probably had a strong voice in that, but they, they didn't even they didn't even get him locked in for long term. They only got five years out of that, and they got an astronomical number. And so it's just like negotiation is is a, is a big aspect of being a general manager in these hard cap situations, and you know it's you know it's one it's one thing that he's going to have to live with as as part of his flaw if this if this whole master plan doesn't end up working out so i don't know i i mean i, I think i've said my piece on it i think everybody's well aware of what it is and but he also looks like a genius if they are able to put, pull it off and they have a they have a few more years in order to get the job done I guess the the part that's never really worked for me is like I like the philosophy of having good players and believing in your good, best players and trying to keep your best players. It's just there really was a bit of a perfect storm of a general manager who hadn't really done any hard negotiations, who made a proclamation that he was going to keep guys with a crazy restricted free agent class of, of dudes that wanted everything, like to be in Toronto, to make the most money, to be in a great spot. And now with like all of a sudden a pandemic and a flat cap, it just, it, it looks worse than even it was at the time, which wasn't great, but it's, it just, it's tougher and tougher when you look around the league and then you see a guy like Landeskog signed for 8 million and Ranta was not, or sorry, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking on anyways, how cheap Colorado is everywhere else, um, compared to, it's also huge that it's also huge that McKinnon didn't have the best year of when course. he ended up signing that, uh, that deal at 6.3 million. And, you know, we had Crosby on the podcast and he talked about, you know, if, if the guys at the top don't, don't take a, a smaller number, then it, it, it won't set the precedent as far as it trickles down. Right. And that's a big reason why that guy's three rings. Um, I mean, of course, Lannis probably didn't get his number given this flat cap situation, but I mean, even look at the impact that Kel McCarr has on that lineup and they end up locking him in for six years at 9 million. I mean, does he get more if, if this whole pandemic doesn't happen? Yeah, maybe. Probably. But does he get does he get what Marner got? No. Yeah. And I think that he's just as impactful to that lineup as Marner is to the Leafs lineup. So you know, it's 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 hard. And and, yeah. and I mean, Rotten ended up getting what nine point two a year, as as they thought they were going to get him as as the cap was rising, which yeah. is you know probably probably like a little high to what the standard is what guys are getting now given where the cap is at but nonetheless man it's yeah it's it's a difficult situation do you guys do you guys typically only talk about the Leafs on this on this show because every time I come on you just love talking about the Leafs well here's the thing I I think a lot of everybody listens to your guys's podcast and you jump around everywhere and I know you also talk Leafs but I'm just like yeah give me where you're at with the Leafs because you're here and we're doing this and it is in Toronto. And so one last, actually two last Leaf ones. One, quickly, uh, the rumor is that Michael Bunting is coming to Toronto. That's the big... uh, He's awesome. Okay, let's go. Like I was going to say, someone who's actually seen Michael Bunting, you're one of the only guys. So give us the Michael Bunting lowdown. So I played against him in the AHL when he was, uh, I think he started even in the East Coast Hockey League. So he was called up to the the Tucson Roadrunners and I was with the Ontario Arena at the time and I tell you what, man, he was a bottom uh, a bottom six guy when he started there. He was just a pain in the ass. Yap it all the time, plays a hard game, finishes his checks, goes to the blue paint. Um, will he will he wow you with his skating? No, but his anticipation is awesome. 
So if they can get him there in a, in a bottom six role, and I also like when he, he's even able to jump up in the lineup because he kind of brings that Zach Hyman mentality, just a complete worker bee. I don't know what uh, I don't know what he's going to end up getting uh, paid, but there's also a connection there with Dubis. Was he yeah. was did, did they not Sue. was he not with maybe Sue in the past? Yeah, yeah he was Sue Saint-Marie. So I think that would be a massive pickup. It, it, it sucks that he's some home homegrown talent, talent for the Coyotes, who's going to end up <laughs> he ended up popping off at the end of the season. I think he had mm-hmm. like 10, 10, 12 goals in, in the short amount of time he was with the team in the second half, and then all of a sudden we lose him, but. Uh, that would be a, a great addition. At a, I would assume maybe a what a million and a half, maybe maybe two million a year, maybe even cheaper if you're if you're lucky to lock him in for lower than that. So yes, that would be a great addition for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get in order to uh, to bolster up uh, some depth. All right, catch the fever, Michael Bunting. This is the guy. This is the one. This isn't uh, an overhyped guy either. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing what the Leafs media does yeah. with him. I'm just saying I. I, I saw what I saw at the NHL level. I played against him. He's a pain in the ass, and he plays hard every night. Listen, I like that, and I think the Leafs need more guys like that. So that's uh, I yeah. think that's about as good of a breakdown as you're going to get. Hey, man, I wish we had more time today. Um, we're up against it. Hockey Central's got to go here. But uh, thanks for making time, pal. Uh, hopefully I'll talk to you sooner rather than later. Okay, see you, Berkey. See you, man. <laughs> Paul Vizanet, spitting chiclets. Hockey Central. They're going to keep this thing rolling. That's next. See you later.